2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball.
3: This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen.
2: Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Before we get started, just want to make quick mention of Thursday's episode. Yes, I had some audio issues, but they have been resolved. They have been fixed. We addressed them. We realized after the fact, it sounded like I was underwater talking into a shoe instead of a microphone, and you couldn't hear me for a solid like 12 minutes, and I apologize for that. But uh, I thought Eno was fantastic, really good information on the baseball and what what MLB did to it this year and the impact it's had on the game. So we kind of tweaked the interview a bit to make it much more listenable, so if you Maybe gave it a shot and, and had to turn it off. I totally understand, but go give it another shot. It, it's it's much cleaner now. And if you haven't listened yet, well, then you won't know the difference. All right, <laughs> let's get into our Friday fives. Scott, a series win in Tampa. That's what we were asking for, despite the fact they got spanked on Thursday. But before we talk about uh, the series in Tampa, the first thing from the week, COVID. <laughs> it's like people, if you forgot, COVID is still a thing for this season and the players and the coaches and everybody. The Yankees have had eight breakout cases. What a breakout case means is that you're vaccinated, but then you still test positive. The Yankees had the J&J vaccine this year. They're over the 85% threshold. But then on Tuesday, we got news that Phil Nevin tested positive, and then some more coaches tested positive, And then Glaber Torres tested positive, and he's had COVID already. Yeah, it's kind of strange. They were talking about this. Uh, Boone was talking about
3: it in a press conference, and, and I heard Cashman talking about it, and they're kind of looking at the Yankees. The CDC is looking at the Yankees case at, at, as uh, as like a case study. Like what's happening here? Um, clearly, this this I don't mean I, I'm not I'm not t- when I'm when I go into my fake doctor routine here, which is actually a real doctor routine. It has nothing to do with like illness. More so, more so how uh, you know how you can feel or how injuries. how You're how injuries guy. are happen and how ligaments are are healing or not healing. Uh, when we start talking about vaccines working or not completely out of my over head. Your head. <laughs> my my degree is not in that. But the Johnson and Johnson vaccine apparently has some uh has some some uh some holes some well some it's, about 60, it. it's about sixty
2: it's about sixty five percent effective whereas the Moderna and Pfizer are over ninety percent effective so yeah which I you really don't, need don't to be understand
3: a- how something that's sixty five effect percent effective like gets cleared be like oh yeah let's go
2: go well, ahead roll flip the coin but but a flu, the normal flu vaccine every year is like thirty something percent effective. Okay, well there you go. This is why it's
3: out of my uh, this is this is out of my pay grade here. But so six
2: sixty five percent. Here is the weird thing.
3: But when you when, have a night when you have an option that's that's much 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 higher. Well, they
2: wanted to get it done quicker because Johnson and Johnson is one and done. Whereas what Pfizer, happens you, when you take the shortcut? Just usually what? But but here is the weird thing. You don't really need to under understand complex math to realize it's sixty five percent effective. So, how do eight people test positive? You have to multiply sixty five percent times sixty five percent times sixty five Like the odds of this happening are are slim, very slim. That's why the CDC is looking at this. Yeah, so
3: I, I don't know why this is the case, uh, but from from everything Boone is saying, the uh, Nevin was the only one showing symptoms. He's no longer. everybody else was asymptomatic, so if they were not testing, they would not have ever known um, right. that this was the case so. I, they, you know, they decided to continue to play. They got everybody, um, uh, you know, in their own rooms and, and Klaiber as well after he tested positive and doesn't seem like it's it's an issue besides making sure that those guys are in a good place and uh, get back to the squad once they test negative. So I, I don't know. It's it's very strange. Not Not something I even thought was possible.
2: The other interesting thing of note here is the Yankees as a team voted that they wanted to play. So it's up to the teams to decide if they want to take the risk. Which is Part what of them- got the
3: Marlins in trouble last year? Isn't well, that the last case? year,
2: I it didn't was- understand it at all. Um, it, it They should have taken it out of the teams and the players' hands. There should have just been strict guidelines because we had the Marlins. We had the the Cardinals both have outbreaks, and then that caused other teams to miss games. So like last year, I thought it was silly. This year, I think I understand a little bit more because you're trying to play a full season and there are people vaccinated, so it's just like anything else. You want to go to a baseball game? You do it at your own risk. You know the you know the consequences. You know what you, you be smart about it, kind of thing. Um, so I understand that a little bit more. But yeah, it's kind of came out of nowhere. It's kind of like a, a slap in the face. Like, oh yeah, this is still this is still very real.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely crazy, definitely crazy. Um, all right, number two, Yankees catchers, the combined home run pace. We have there is just an, an a you know an unbelievable amount of discussion about Gary Sanchez about Kyle Higashioka, I'll say it I'll nope. say it right once in once in nope. on a blue moon Higgy and and who they're uh, who they're catching and and what the receiving is like, but if you combine these guys and you look at them as the uh, as, as the ultimate catcher as the one position they're actually performing and this is why uh, you know when we talked about this last time I'm like it. Right now, it just doesn't matter because it, there's no problem. There's no problem happening. Pitching is going well. We'll talk about that. The, um, the offense combined, they're, they're, they are producing as a unit. The, the
2: position is producing as a unit, and I'm good with that. Combined, Higgy and Sanchez have hit nine homers in 149 plate appearances. That's a 39 home run pace over a full season. So, if you get 30, 39 home runs out of your catching tandem, you take that every day of the week. Absolutely. Now, I don't know that they're going to keep up that pace, specifically Higgy, uh, because he has hit five and 55 plate appearances. I know Higgy's always hit, like, he just basically only hits home runs. He doesn't get hits. He just hits home runs. But, like you've talked about, you think Higgy will eventually go into a little bit more of an offensive slump. So, if I set the over under pace at combined home runs out of these two, at 30 and a half are you taking the over or the under i'm taking the over i mean one the
3: the the trend in baseball is that everybody's hitting home runs uh, i know that it's it's gone down this year but still the ball is flying out of the park it's it's going to be over it's going to be over because i think that you're going to see a tear from gary <clears throat> we may see a uh, you know a, a bit of a uh, a slowdown by higgy but i think that with their powers combined, that they are going to certainly uh, continue to put the <laughs> With ball With their in the powers
2: place. combined.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it's it's going to be actually well over. And if we don't have
2: controversy and it's just how it's been going, it seems like Gary Sanchez, for the fact that he's not playing the majority of the time recently, he seems to have his head on pretty straight, right? Like we, we haven't heard much talk about there being a controversy. There's no so controversy. That's a, and, well, that's kind that's of that's a good thing. Eh, I, yeah,
3: I guess for them playing. Yes, but the but one of the one of the issues is that I had with Gary is that I wanted him to take this position by the ball. We want, want him, of to, course. I want him to have an issue with this. But no, it it seems like it's a very uh, you know good working relationship. Marlar Marla Marley Marla Rivera uh, the other day was talking on the broadcast about um, about Sanchez and just a conversation that she had had with him and. He's, you know, mechanically feeling good, feeling good at the plate. Got to get his head back in is what he said. I'm like, okay, well, yep, that's, that's the one area that, that we've all kind of identified as the, you know, the one, the next thing that needs to happen, which should be the first thing, but it's the next thing, I guess still uh, that he's got to get fully, fully, you know, feeling good about his game so that he's, you know, improving on the offensive side, whatever, you know, continue on the, what you're doing. Give me the production from the position because that's where I'm looking right now.
2: And if they both split time at catcher and you get over 30 home runs combined out of them, that's a huge win for the Yankees catching position. And Sanchez, surprisingly, if you look at some other metrics, is performing above league average. He's got a 114 WRC plus, which means his weighted runs created is 14% better than league average. He's got a 351 on base percentage, which if you look at his recent seasons is fantastic especially for Gary, but he's still hitting sub 200. So you, you, I sit there and I scratch my head because I kind of crushed him on the last episode about that at bat in the eighth inning against the Nationals. It's like you get four cookie cutter fastballs and you can't hit them. But then on the, at the same time, the advanced metrics tell me you're above league average, but the eye test tells me you can't hit the baseball. So it's very confusing what's going on with Gary Sanchez.
3: Yeah, I think that that's, this is the problem when you have small sample size with, when you look at advanced stats, when you look at advanced stats in, in short periods of time, they will show you things that are actually not true. It's just your, your eyes did not lie to you when he could not hit a fastball in the zone multiple times over again. Your eyes did not lie to you. He still, he swung the bat and he missed the ball multiple times. Advanced stats telling me that he's walking more often. That's great. That, but that also tells me that he's seeing the ball well which is wild. So the, therefore something else is off. He's seeing the ball, he's swinging at it, he's either identifying it as a strike or not, but for for whatever reason the contact's not happening. So why is that? Is it mechanical? Is it is it you know belief in his head? I don't know. I need more time and more of a sample size for advanced stats to really uh, mean much to me. Uh, until then, I'm going to see what I see what I see with my eyes and uh, I see production from the catcher position, so I'm happy.
2: The number 3 thing is Jordan Montgomery's best start of the season. Happened this week in Tampa, six innings, two hits, one run. It was a bomb he gave up to Zunino, but he did strike out nine and only walked one. And check out this balance, 23 fastballs, 23 changeups, 22 curveballs. He got swings and misses on all three of those pitches. And according to Baseball Reference's game score, which basically tallies up all the positive things you do in a game, all the negative things you do in a game, this was his best start of the season. It gave him a 72 score. And this is the third time he's faced Tampa so far in the season. And we're only halfway through May. So it's not like they haven't seen him three times. He's had two really good starts against Tampa. One, he struggled a little bit, but you know, I know Tampa strikes out a ton. They lead the league in strikeouts. And, and even Tyon last night who got crushed, he struck out nine batters. So yeah, Tampa is going to strike out, but Monty only gave up two hits. Really, really great performance from Monty.
3: Yeah, there's uh so there's, we're looking on one of our you know five looking forward. He's got a really good matchup coming up this weekend, so we'll talk more about that. But he's been, I, I you know he's been one of those guys that we expected him to take uh, that next step. I think I had him as as probably the second most going into the season, most dependable type guy that I'm, I'm lean. I think that he's going to be solid. I think he is, um, you know, the guy that can that can eat innings, uh, that can really make that next progress. Um, he's the one I felt best about because he's. You know, far enough away from from surgery, and he's he's shown it in the past. CC raves about the guy. A lot of people rave about him uh, just as, as this type of pitcher that he can be. So um I'm excited that he's putting it together. And yeah, when you look at the amount of starts that he's had against Tampa, that that's that's no tall. That's no small thing to look at. I think three three starts against a, a good team early in the season and still having, you know, very good success on that on that third time around is is pretty telling you know the the that means that Tampa who usually prepares and has good game plan walking in has not figured that out and, and still cannot hit him well so uh, really good things that kind of leads into number 4 the starting rotation starting rotation overall has been uh the you have in here best in baseball since April 22nd which was the uh, the start of the Cleveland series
2: we identified not that series as stretch- potentially rock bottom there's multiple rock bottom moments I said initially- There's that one clear first... rock bottom
3: moment. There's one clear rock bottom moment.
2: But the first rock bottom moment we thought was when they couldn't field the ball in the first inning in Cleveland. Remember? No,
3: I know. But I we have now time away. There is there is a moment. It's There's a Aaron moment Judge getting thrown out at third Absolutely. A thousand percent. Okay, fine. And Aaron, Aaron Boone arguing a call that he got- But I went himself. back
2: to April 22nd. It's now 20 games. Tyon didn't pitch well last night, but it's it's essentially three turns through the rotation. Or 20 games is- math yeah four the, times three four. F- yes. four four times through the rotation <laughs> for four times through the yankees rotation they've been the best rotation in baseball and it's actually by a wide margin they've produced 3.3 war the phillies are second at 2.6 their era is 2.53 the phillies uh well that's the phillies aren't second but the next the next uh highest is uh two point i believe 2.80 so it's it's a Pretty decent margin the Yankees have been the best rotation in baseball since April 22nd. One of the things to look at as well for me is the innings pitched. Yankees are
3: leading since that time with uh, with innings pitched in the major leagues at 113 innings. Uh, Phillies next with 110. Boston, which is this big surprising one, is uh, 105 after that. So you're seeing the Yankees get, and you know I think some of this is uh, they've they've had that fifth guy kind of. Rotate in and out a little bit, but I think since then I don't know how many starts Herman has gotten since then, but at least two to three.
2: Well, no, the they should have all in rotation through. No, they should have all Her- gotten four because that this started with Herman.
3: That's right, he, that he came back up uh, at that time. So that's look, d- Boone's allowing them to go deeper into games w- for a couple of reasons. One, they're they're clearly pitching well enough to go deeper into games, but this this does not feel like the same organization that has allowed. Uh, that doesn't allow a guy to get into the uh, the third time through a lineup. It doesn't feel like the same instant pull that it has been in 20 and 19 even. It feels like they're giving them a little bit more leash, working through some issues. And I don't know how much of that is you know Boone using eye tests or it's game planned at this point saying, hey, we need to get through these. We need to make sure that we're getting more depth. And the Yankees have made an organizational decision and, and kind of an adjustment to help you know, get this, uh, the entire pitching staff into a much better place come end of September. Whatever it is, I like it. I like it a lot.
2: I don't really care what the reason is. I hope it's the fact that they've looked at what they've done for the past four seasons and realized it didn't work. And trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So, hey, let's try something different. And hopefully that's what the Yankees are doing. And in this time, the bullpen ranks fifth. So their pitching staff as a whole is the number one reason why they're winning more games. It's not their offense. Let's go to number five. Where the hell is this offense? Shut down by 18,000-year-old Rich Hill, who looks like he is just 50 cores Lights deep on the mound, sweating bullets. He's got like a goblet neck, throwing 68-mile-an-hour knuckle curveballs. The Yankees can't touch him. The Yankees scored five total runs in the three-game series in Tampa. Their offensive ranks are pitiful. 24th, this is for the full season, 24th out of 30 in runs scored, 25th out of 30 in batting average, 12th in WRC plus, they have a 100 WRC plus, which is exactly league average. The Yankees offense was built to be a top five offense in the league, not exactly league average. So, and it's not like you can use the excuse of everyone's injured. The the guys are there. When is it going to show up?
3: Yeah, that's, it's, it's been very inconsistent, clearly. I mean, we've had these spurts uh, and these spurts have been led by, you know, very, very hot streaks.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: Stanton is uh, carried the offense for you know a week. Uh, we've had we've seen these guys. Judge has been consistent. I think for pro- probably one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent, guy in our lineup at this point. Him and Gio, I think, have been the most consistent. Even Lemayhu, you know, while he's been a lot better as of late and more can con- more consistent and more like him, he's not putting up the same type of numbers that he has um, in the past. That said, the best is in front of us. Is that <laughs> the best is in front of us? Like, I mean, if the Yankees pitching is doing this and the and the, the the bats cannot get off. I mean, they they took two of three from Tampa, but the offense was bad. I mean, they just they, they got yeah. shut down multiple times. They're, 5 they're, 5
2: runs in 3 games. You're good. lucky, to, and, and you're the, lucky the, to win two out yeah. of three.
3: So, the the and the fact that they're it's a complete hole in left field from an offensive side oh, you're is getting uh, into the look ahead. Look look man, I'm just, you know, I'm teasing things as we go. But yeah, I'm happy uh, that they're winning games right now. Back in the fold. Good stuff coming.
2: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area, and it's available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com Bronx 21. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com bronx21. Well, you teased it, but the look ahead, the Yankees are going to have to do something in left field because it is getting ugly. They rank last, dead last, 30 out of 30 in production out of their left field situation with a 64 WRC+. Plus. Frazier is hitting 146 this year and has a 72 WRC plus Brett Gardner is hitting 188 with a 53 WRC plus. I know Gardner was in center field because Hicks was scratched, um, actually scratched twice in the series with the shin and then with a, a wrist issue. But but left field, I mean, it's not only left field because center field, they also rank pretty low, 22nd out of 30th and first base, 24 out of 30, but I'm throwing out first base because Luke Voigt is back now. So he's the answer to all our problems there. But left field and center field have been black holes. What what do they do? So Floreal has been pretty good in minor league so far. Two weeks in double A, dude. I'm, I'm on, just like,
3: saying, <laughs> hey, look, you asked me what to do. What are we going to do? I'm trying to tell you that when we're looking ahead, I got my eyes on Esteban Floriel seeing okay. how he's doing in the minor leagues, looking to see how fast he's going to triple A, because I don't or if he even goes to triple A. And if and or if he's a guy that can pull up. He's a 40-man roster guy that can get him up on the team. Okay. He's had good couple of good weeks in double A. What's there to lose when you look at the production in left field? Not the only much. thing
2: that you would lose is potentially affecting Florial negatively.
3: Okay. He, that guy, that guy probably has more confidence right now than he's had in a very long time. Uh, so they will probably continue to build that up. I assume they will bring him along more slowly. They're not going to freak out. This is not what the Yankees do. That said, I got my eyes on him because center field right now, problem, especially if Hicks, who knows? MRI inconclusive. We've, we've seen him out a little bit. That does not go. The MRI well comes back and
2: it's just like, well, how long do you have? Because I have a list of five million things that are <laughs> yeah. wrong with this.
3: We couldn't read the entire MRI, MRI report. Are it we sure this long.
2: body is human? Is this an alien life form that we are? <laughs> cannot I'm looking read. for.
3: I'm looking for bones and ligaments. <laughs> only finding one of the two. Where do we go from here? I, I don't. I don't. I don't know where they're the. You know what that's going to be when the conclusive report comes out and what that says. Uh, but again. Eyes on Floriel because it would not surprise me if he is up here, you know, in in the month of May. Would not surprise me.
2: Do you remember the last Yankees prospect to make the jump offensively, make the jump from double A to the majors? I was gonna I
3: answer that with Esteban, uh or not Esteban, with uh, Loizaga because he came up from no, no. double, o- it, but offensive
2: the, the uh, last hitter. Uh you're, you're not was, gonna like the answer. Uh, yes,
3: I, I do know it. I do know it. Uh he got traded to Oakland. Um
2: I believe I don't know. just say it. Oh no! Well, the last one that I know of is Greg Bird in 2015 when Mark Teixeira went down. They took Greg Bird right out of Double A, and he performed very well in 2015 in the majors. So that's the last. That's the last bat prospect I can remember making the jump from Double A. Hey, Jason Dominguez had a leadoff double in the in his first extended spring training game. Let's just call him up.
3: I mean. I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> the
2: guy, the guy
3: looks like he fits the bill anyway. Florio, Florio could be a real, real dark horse though, because he was such a top prospect for a long time. Really got derailed by injuries. I think just some fluky injuries as well. I mean, we were there for the one in spring training where he injured his wrist against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys definitely had a, a kind of a, a bad, uh, you know, a bad streak there. So uh, of injuries because of luck, I think too, but. You know, he he could very well resur, you know, resurface as a very, very high prospect and a guy that could be
2: productive in the major league. So quickly, uh, one more thing on this left field situation. This is it for you, Clint Frazier. You either perform now or or you're done with the Yankees.
3: Oh, I don't think so. I think he's so he's at a point where he's I mean, young enough where they just move on from somebody else. They don't have to move on from him right now. They don't need to. They're in a position where they can they can you know whether uh, he's getting his
2: chance he's getting his chances and he's
3: he's getting an opportunity right now and it's not working out but this is certainly not the end of the road for him he's 26 years Yankees. old he's
2: 26 yeah. years old
3: yeah go back to triple a figure it out come back Darren. up it'll be he's got time he's got way more chances to go oh it's unfortunate okay. that it's not happening right now i don't know why it's not happening with him something is is off he gets uh, ejected from the game the other day uh, which I was like oh here we go tailspin please Clint hold on man hold on now, he held it
2: t- he held it together he was almost he did. Like, I
3: was proud of him for that cuz this guy had everything leading up to him blowing up and just like flipping out <laughs>
2: he, he he what didn't. do you think he said because he just turned to the umpire like he wasn't happy with the strike call but it actually was a strike I think like it wasn't a great pitch but it wasn't egregious and he kind of just like calmly was talking to him and then he gets ejected like I, I joked on Twitter. I was like, did he just calmly tell the umpire he wants to eat his children? Like, what do you say in that sort of demeanor that gets you ejected so quickly? Because he, he was not animated.
3: No, but he and he also walked back to the dugout like, all right. <laughs> it was like head down, like uh, maybe I should just shut up. I said one more thing that I shouldn't have. Whatever it was, it obviously set off uh, the, uh, you know, and and I don't think there's really much of a, they're not going to look at him and take much from him, to be honest. Like, bro, you're you're batting like, you, you have a what was it a, a 72 wrc plus you're you're batting uh under around 150 shut up and go back to the dugout how about it's a you problem All
2: right, number, so two. number two i got you, it i got it i got it. it
3: number two this is something that i'm looking forward to because it's the first time it's happened in a very long time and now that my my uh bold prediction with the orioles is completely out the window can't come back from that one still have a couple that i can come back from that one's gone um I'm looking forward You're still to Still holding out Nick Nelson hope. Yeah, Nick Nelson still has an opportunity here. Uh the Yankees are facing uh Means on Sunday. It's Monty versus Means, a matchup that is two young guys going at it in in division. Not going to call them uh rival opponents yet. Um but <laughs> the Means's two best
2: lefties in the in the division.
3: <laughs> Means 4-0, 1.21 ERA on the season. Um really Does he have Three, the best no-no. chance of being the Orioles ace since Musina? I think so. Like it's been Eric Bedard
2: disrespect.
3: The Bedard disrespect. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Yeah, I guess Bedard had the opportunity to become uh, a. Bedard was a good pitcher, but it was like
2: he went into Baltimore and if Bedard, if Bedard was pitching because he was like a crafty lefty, you're like, ah, crap, the Yankees are going to struggle against him.
3: means different type of guy, though. I think he has much better stuff uh, coming from that side. Last time the Yankees faced him was April 7th. He went four and two thirds um, gave up one run, seven hits. So they, they, they got bad on ball and were able to find some hits, but this is going to be a good matchup. And really, I think an opportunity for the Yankees to, to go up against him in, in, uh, at Camden yards and, you know, hopefully put up some, uh, put up some offense. We'll see what happens.
2: We just talked about how the Yankees basically rank near the bottom of the league in all offensive categories. And they're going up against a really hot pitcher right now. So that's at least one game in a series against Baltimore. That's going to be a tough game. So but friday, saturday, get your get your head right, get your
3: bats right, go into sunday with some uh with some confidence, some loaded bats and put the kid down a little bit.
2: All right, the schedule is number 3 that we're looking forward to and it's kind of a gauntlet of a schedule the Yankees are going up against right now because they're on a long road trip after Baltimore, they go to Texas. They have an off day on May 24th, but that that's their only off day until June 6th. And in that span, they play Tampa again at the end of May, and then they finally play Boston the June 4th weekend. And I don't know if Boston's still going to be in first place by then, but they're, they're going to be competing for the division at that point, which is maybe more than we would have thought at the beginning of the season. It's weird that they haven't faced Boston yet in the first two months of the season. Normally, you play your, your division rivals you know, at least once in the first two months, and they've played everyone else. But the schedule is not easy for the Yankees right now, especially when you consider not many off days.
3: No, a lot of a lot of consecutive games. Good thing. The, uh, the starting pitching is in a place that is, um, that that's good because I think that that would make this that much longer the Yankees. I I like it for the fact that the Yankees bats have an opportunity to play every day, get that everyday opportunity to, um, you know, get something going. I think when you see a long stretch, you worry more about the pitching than you do the offense. Um, so I think it's going to give the offense an opportunity to get into a good groove, especially starting with uh, with Camden Yards. Um, top four ALS teams kind of going into that one: Boston, Toronto, New York, Tampa. Everybody's bunched up by three games now. Uh, the the Red Sox have kind of come back a little bit um, with a, a three game skid. They just won last night as well. But uh, I again, I still expect them to to fall. Uh, I don't think their pitching is is as good as it has shown. And I expect uh, this this continuing to, to bunch up at the top with Boston to slip a little bit, but Tampa and Toronto to be up there with the Yankees. Um, but good to see that that's happening. Uh, I think that it's important going into this long stretch.
2: Here's why this is relevant, because you've got those four teams that you just mentioned. You've got Chicago and Cleveland, who are both playing good baseball. They're both over 600 winning percentage. And you've got Oakland and Houston, who are both Play, playing good baseball and considered playoff teams so you've got one team in the in the central and one team in the west that you're going to also be competing with for a wild card playoff spot so the it's a it's just there's only so many playoff spots so you're gonna have to i think beat out you're gonna have to be one of the two top teams in the al east i don't what i'm saying is i don't think you can finish third in the division and make the playoffs this year
3: Agreed, agreed, and I think well, I think winning the division this year is extremely important. So I think they they need to really lock in on that and make sure that they take care of business by by winning the AL East.
2: The last thing, and this is kind of I don't know, does these sorts of things get recycled throughout the year leading up to the trade deadline? But there's a little bit of Trevor Story trade hype. There was an article posted by Mark Feinsand on MLB.com that listed five trade candidates for Trevor Story as the Rockies are selling off and. Two of the five interest me because two of the five, one was the Yankees, one was the Rays, the other were the Brewers, Reds, and A's. And just quickly, what he said about each of those that obviously the Yankees have Glaber Torres at shortstop, but he might not be a shortstop long term. And the Yankees have the prospects to trade other than J- Jason Dominguez because he's untouchable. And then for the Rays, he said he struggled to get production. What? I said he better be goddamn untouchable. The Rays have struggled to get shortstop production all season and they have Wander Franco who's the number 1 prospect in the game, but they could they could look to still add a, a rental piece at shortstop this year. The only hindrance is the 6 million dollars that story would be owed for the rest of the season. But that 6 million dollars would also put the Yankees over the luxury tax. So it's it's I don't consider we talked about last week they wouldn't trade for Max Scherzer because of luxury tax. So why would they trade for Trevor Story? Because, because well, of I think salary. they have an
3: opportunity to to make some adjustments, probably with a Trevor Story contract where they could still stay under. I could see them doing something to finagle their way underneath it, uh, whereas Scherzer blows you out of the water. Uh, I still don't think this, this story has legs, but- um, I think it's more so just like oh, let's identify a guy that is on a team that will not resign him, probably not going to do anything in the this season, and then look for other teams who can, who can afford to sign him and and potentially would. I, I really think that's kind of what this is. Um, that said, Trevor is a good baseball player, and if they <laughs> were to go ahead and get him, and the Yankees were to shuffle things around, I wouldn't be mad about it.
2: Yeah, it's just it's. I think the Yankees get thrown into a lot of these for. Of course they do, and, and, and that's just the case for anything. All right, that's going to do it for Friday Fives. But this episode is not over, as you see. There's about six, seven minutes left on the episode, and the reason is because we're going to play a segment from my recent appearance on Kyle Banduho's podcast called Big Screen Sports. We talked about the the very, very good Yankees and baseball movie Sixty One, which Scott, you and I have reviewed in the past. But I think we did that in 2016. This was a, a nice. Jesus, re- that's five years ago. This was an. It's the last time I watched the movie. I watched it again uh, last week, and then did the podcast and. uh I forgot how much I like that movie. It's just a really fun movie to watch. And Billy Crystal did a lot of little things right uh when it comes to baseball and the Yankees, because he's obviously a diehard fan. This segment we're gonna play is Best Quotes from the movie. We had fun with this. If you want to check out the full episode, there'll be links in the description. And I suggest you do that because um, you know, maybe you didn't hear Scott and I's review a bunch of years ago, and also just check out Kyle's podcast because he's 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 on the Blue Wire Network. He's one of uh he's, he's got a great show talking about sports movies and pop culture things and he he's fantastic. So he's show him fan, some love. So
3: don't hold that against him. He's uh he's yeah, the twins he's, are, he's been he's been beaten up by Yankees and Yankees fans for a long time.
2: The Twins are very much in last place. So go listen to his podcast and, and rate and review it to support him. But uh, he's a friend of the show. I know we've both been on his show a bunch of times. So go check out Big Screen Sports. Enjoy this clip from that episode.
4: All right, so best quote for this one, for me, writing down quotes, it was almost entirely Jane is mantle. <laughs> yep, we probably did, have
2: the same one. Certainly. I was about to
4: say, did you have anything? I have one thing that isn't mantle.
2: Uh, let me look through mine. Uh, I have one that isn't mantle. What is yours that isn't mantle? It's the TV announcer when he's talking about the Soviet Union resuming nuclear testing. <laughs> Basically shrugs that off and then says, everyone is concerned with one thing. Who's going to break Babe Ruth's home run record? <laughs> I was like, this is peak Cold War. Like, we're so this was summer 1961. So we're like a year before the Cuban Missile Crisis. And it's just like, yeah, Soviets are doing something. We don't know who's going to break the home run record.
4: I got it. It's American as shit. I yeah. have one from from Mel Allen, a.k.a. Shooter McGavin. Uh, after Mantle's one arm home run, where he says one arm home run, I can't even eat pizza with one arm, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I, I want to get into him in a bit. Cause he's, he's awesome. Oh, I got, um, some,
2: I got some stuff on, on Mel Allen.
4: There's a, there's a lot of great, uh, great mantle ones though. I think early in the, early in the movie, when, um, they're talking about Babe Ruth and I think Mantle says it to Mary says, I bet I got more pussy than he did,
2: <laughs> which is, <laughs> well, the first, the first line. That he says in the movie is, I like women with small hands. Makes my dick look bigger. (laughs) Like That's the first line that Mickey Mantle says in the movie.
1: Hey, Whitey, look at that. She likes to read to the blind.
3: She's not your type, Slip.
1: Yeah, I like women with small hands. Makes my dick look bigger. Yeah, right
4: it sets you up for exactly what that guy's that guy's gonna be Uh, the the other one about Ruth Ruth when he's we're chasing a ghost the fat fuck he's everywhere (laughs) that's great look in 56 I had 52 home runs that's all anybody could ever talk about Ruth this, Ruth that, 24 hours a day we're chasing a ghost, Raj. You go in that clubhouse, he's there. You're at home plate, he's there. You're in the outfield, he's there. The fat fuck, he's everywhere.
2: I like the one where Mickey was talking to reporters and the reporters were asking him about uh, the fans getting on Roger Maris. He goes, yeah, you know, but you can't figure this stuff out. He'll come around. And then he just lets out a giant belch into the microphone. <laughs> in, in all this stuff,
4: like you would find it, like if John Rocker was saying stuff like this you'd find it repulsive but with with Thomas Jane as Mickey Mantle you just love the guy for all this shit.
2: It's like can you imagine Mike Trout who is basically talent wise, you know, performance on field wise, modern day Mickey Mantle talking with a, then, the
4: personality of Roger Maris with,
2: with less person, cigarettes. That, that's true. It's the love child between Mickey Mantle and and Roger Maris. Can you imagine any baseball player taking a uh of reporter's microphone and just letting out a giant belch into it. Now you
4: say any baseball player, let me think, but I I feel like I can think of a baseball player
2: who could do it and not have the Twitter police get all over them. Hmm. I feel like at this point, I feel like Tatis
4: could do it. But he'd have to uh, no. apologize right yeah, after.
2: Exactly, he got he got shit for bat flipping. He's gonna belch into a microphone. He's gonna get shit for that. I, yeah, I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean, he
4: would he would get sh- he would get shit from the the reporters who who don't care for for guys from the Dominican playing with flair.
2: Yeah, I feel like um, Albert Pujols. If the last thing he does is just belch into a microphone, people will give him a pass.
4: If he belch into a microphone, it would be better than ninety five percent of his <laughs> Angels tenure. <laughs> oh man. Uh, the last one I've got, uh, the last quote is something I like because it, it kind of it speaks to the art of breaking out a slump when Mandel, Mandel starts eating the eggs and Bob yeah. asks it and, and Roger says something, you know, Mickey likes them. And he goes, no, they're shit, and I'm in a bit of a slump. I'll try anything. I really love that line.
2: He delivers it so well. He delivers it exactly how a slumping baseball player would deliver them.
4: Again, give me an eight-episode Netflix series of those guys in an apartment. I would watch the shit out of it.
2: Yeah, I feel like uh, I know this is a a later question as well, but um, like if they're going to, they could easily get more mileage out of this season if you really find the right cast to for the friendship between Mickey and and Roger. So this one, I guess I'll step on our last category,
4: but it's kind of since you brought it up, I feel like if this gets made now and it can be said for almost anything that gets made now that's like a TV movie. This is probably a miniseries if you make it now.
2: I would I would think so. It's like a it's like a five-parter or something like that.
4: And I bet you Billy Crystal would have fucking loved that too. Oh my god. If they god. said Billy, you can do this story, but we'll give you 10 hours to do it or we'll What's, give you how, 8 hours to do it.
2: How long is the director's cut of 61? It's probably just like seven, 7 hours. 7 straight hours of baseball minutia.
4: This would have been a very fun movie to be on set on because I bet Crystal and whoever else he had out there was just dishing out fun tidbits or like you know hey we should try this because mickey did this and stuff like that there's there's a clear there's a clear deference to the to the mantle of it all but i think that's that's also because there is just more on mickey mantle than there is roger maris
2: yeah i mean yeah there's just there's so much there's so much more he's so much more well known and and the reason that i think the reason the movie works is because these two are so different if it was just two of the same guy going after the same record it wouldn't it wouldn't be as fun it's like and you're not even necessarily rooting for Maris or rooting for mantle as you're watching the movie you're kind of just you're just rooting for like them both to keep going like at least that's what I find myself doing through the city
3: with my on when the is go